kind of an intimate program, really, when you think about it. It's a source of intimacy for couples. Uh, maybe if you and your significant other, maybe you're just not connecting right now, we'll throw the show on in the background and join it together. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. We're not going to talk about it that much tonight. Like, we're not going to get deep into it. Uh, but golf was amazing yesterday. The BMW Championship or something like that, something involving BMWs, is great. Bryson DeChambeau can't putt. Patrick Cantlay had a really fun win. I think it was six playoff holes, right? Six? Yeah. It was awesome. It was electric. Could not have been better napping material yesterday, which is that's how you know it's good golf is you can nap along with it. <laughs> which is if it was an amazing football game or even an amazing baseball game. Like, you're not falling asleep during it. Even the best golf tournaments. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to snooze here for three minutes, wake up, see what's going on, see what's changed. I thoroughly enjoyed it yesterday. And we aren't going to talk about it, really. I just wanted to bring it up because I want credit for watching golf. Which I hardly ever do. Like, I never watch golf, but when I do, I need to mention it so I get the proper credit. Same with hockey. I remember a Jeff Foxworthy bit. I probably haven't heard this in, like, 10 years. But he was talking about men and women and housework. Like, husbands and wives. He argued that women do, like, 99% of the housework and men do one. But men talk way more about their 1% than women do ever about their 99. Th- that's me with my golf watching and hockey. I never watch either, but if I do, I'm going to bring it up. And I'm definitely tweeting about it, and I'm I'm getting credit for it one way or another. There's no sports talker in the world that talks more disproportionately about their golf and hockey watching than me. I watched golf yesterday. It was awesome. Will I watch again? Uh, we shall see. Probably not for a while, but I watched yesterday, and I... I want my credit for it. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you had a stellar weekend. Brewers Twins rivalry. Last backers preseason game. Not much in the way of NBA. Oh, we had uh, college football. Illinois, Nebraska on Saturday, which was a classic ugly slugfest of a Big Ten game. Brett Bielema in Illinois being good. Great for the Big Ten. Nebraska losing and Scott Frost losing. Also great for the Big Ten. We could keep both of those programs heading in their current trajectories. Awesome for the Big Ten. Brett Bielema and Illinois being good, that would be amazing. And I just enjoy watching Nebraska and Scott Frost lose because Scott Frost is kind of a it's kind of a tool. Does anyone disagree? I don't think I'm speaking out of pocket there. I think it'd be great for Illinois to be good, and I just I want to see Nebraska keep losing. I, I don't want them to to get good. They're cocky. They're like, oh, we'll leave the Big Ten. And go where? Are you gonna join the Mac? Not good enough for the WEAC, let's be honest. We won't take you. It's the best athletic conference in the country. We don't want your fraud Cornhusker football team. So there's a lot to watch this weekend. We should probably start with the Packers because we're getting really close to football season, and then we'll do a little bit of the Brewers. Not a whole lot of consequence from the Brewers series this weekend. Sure, they dropped 2-3 of three to the Twins, which isn't ideal, but the Reds lost 2-3 of three too, so nothing happened. Nothing became of it. We'll talk more about the Brewers, especially in the middle of this week when we get a lot of these Giants games out of the way with. They're going to be on the West Coast for a couple of days, so buy caffeine. Get some coffee in the house. Get some pop in the house, something to keep you awake. I love when the Brewers play late at night because then I can go home after the show, make dinner. I can go for a workout and then then get home and watch a game. It does, however, keep us up until like midnight, so I guess there is a drawback for those of you who actually have to work in the morning 
like normal human beings, I do not. So I find weeks like this to be especially fun. I love West Coast road trips. We'll get into the brewers in a little bit. Welcome to join the show, 608-796-2558 on the talk and text line. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. You can follow me, tweet me there, not just during the show, but anytime. We're getting dangerously close to football season. And I know that because when I woke up today, I thought, oh, no, I'm not ready for my fantasy football drafts this week. Cram, do some homework at the last second. The NFL offseason is like summertime in Wisconsin where we, we always do this. We're like, I can't believe it's already August. Where did the time go? Oh, I, I don't know. This happens every year. I can't believe the regular season starts next week. What do you mean? First week of September like it does every year. But every year we always kind of play dumb. Oh, my God. Where did the time go? The 4th of July was like a month ago. Like summertime in Wisconsin, it's the charade we always do. Oh, it ended so quickly. Well, I mean, sorry. Most of the year in Wisconsin is cold and miserable. The summertime does move fast. But we always pretend like we're shocked by it. Oh, my God, what happened? It's all gone. I didn't do any of the things I wanted to do this summer. No, you didn't. You never do. It's the biggest lie. Every spring, you're like, I'm going to go camping. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to connect with these friends. And it's August. You've done none of them. Happens every year. Same with the NFL regular season, where all of a sudden it's starting on Sunday. Feel like I'm not ready at all. Now that the preseason is done, Packers had their last game of the preseason on Saturday. Lost to the Bills 19 to nothing. It was an electric game. I actually watched most of it. Yeah, I know. It was pretty good. Now that the preseason is done, I feel like we should do our big Jordan Love conversation assessment thing. I feel like we should do that today. Because once the regular season starts, we're going to talk about actual wins and losses and game plans and Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, real things. Jordan Love will kind of go back on the shelf, ideally, assuming Aaron Rodgers doesn't get hurt, and he will become a conversation that is saved for next offseason. And if the Packers pull this again for another year, then the offseason after that as well, which I'm hoping isn't the case. But then again, that would mean Aaron Rodgers coming back, which is a good thing. But we'll deal with that when we have to deal with that. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. We got two preseason games of Jordan Love. 35 pass attempts. He missed the middle game. So after that, what do we think? Huh? How do we feel? I'm asking you, fans, as a fan myself. I don't think we're going to have detailed conversations today about how his footwork needs to get better. And, well, he's got a little hitch in his shoulder. Got to drop the front arm a little bit. Like that. None of us are out here grinding the tape. None of us know what we're actually looking for. And also, if you call or text in today, not to... Not to be crabby here, but don't say, I've watched the tape. You you watch the game on your local ABC station like everyone else. You don't watch the tape. Unless, of course, you pay for a subscription for all 22 tape, which I, I doubt you do. I think it's actually been difficult to get this preseason. I don't think the NFL has been as open with the tape as in usual years because I see all these bloggers complaining. Oh, I can't get the all 22 tape. How, how do you get it? How do you? So no one's, no one's grinding the tape. So if you call in, I know it's a little thing, but it just, it just, it just it, 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 it bothers me. I watched the tape. No, you didn't. You watched on ABC, and let's be real, half of the time you were focused on dipping your chips into the cheese or the salsa on the table in front of you. Like me. I'm not saying I'm better than anyone, but, like, no one's grinding the tape, taking detailed notes here, and none of us are football coaches, quarterback coaches, so we're watching from a fan perspective. And I think before we pass judgment, or we make decisions, or we come to some sort of conclusion on Jordan Love and his 35 career pass attempts, all of which came in two preseason games the last few weeks, I think there's a few factors we need to consider. Whether we are grading Jordan Love literally, like, oh, I think he gets a B plus or whatever, C minus. Okay, not that that means anything. Like, what word would you use to describe Jordan Love's preseason? Promising or frustrating or contradictive. However we're judging his preseason, however you want to judge it, it's up to you if you want to call or text in. 
I think there's a couple of factors that we need to keep in mind. Factors that change how we judge and how we grade Jordan Love. Things that we need to keep in mind. Lenses through which we need to view Jordan Love's performance so far, okay? I have a couple. Number one, Jordan Love isn't going to be the starter this season. And maybe not even next season. Although that would blow my mind. But he's certainly not designed, he's not planned to be the starter this year. If Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, then that's a different conversation. But as of right now, he will be the backup. And might even be the backup next season too. That changes things. That changes how we watch. That changes how we judge him, right? It's like evaluating a new driver. I don't have children. Thank God you're saying. I know. I feel the same way. Let's say I have a son or a daughter, and they just turned 15 or 15 and a half or whenever you get your permit. I don't even remember. I'm going to judge my child's driving ability differently if they got their permit last week and they just started driving versus if they're taking their test tomorrow. If you ask me, oh, how's little Johnny doing behind the wheel? I'm going to give you two different answers if you ask me right after they get their permit or the day before they get their test. Oh, Grant, how's little Johnny doing? Well, he just got his permit yesterday, but yesterday I showed him how to put gas in the car. And you should press the brake down before changing gears. He's doing great. Whereas if we were there the day before little Johnny takes his test, okay, well, he's he's an idiot and he can't drive yet, okay? Two different situations. I judge my child two different ways. I think that's a factor we need to keep in mind when evaluating Jordan Love. Number two, and this is important as well, we didn't get to see him play with Devontae Adams or Aaron Jones or any of the top offensive linemen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like in, like Chopped, we've referenced Food Network a couple of times. Chopped is interesting because you're giving a chef a bunch of random crap to cook with. Like, oh, it's the dessert round, and chef is given Cheerios and pickles and masking tape. It's like, okay, make a dessert. Well, I'm going to judge that dessert knowing that there are Cheerios in it, right? You can't exactly make tiramisu with that, although some might try. It would be bold. In only 20 minutes, maybe that would be smart. You got to get stuff chilled, though. That takes time. You judge that dessert differently knowing what goes into it, right? It's also a great reminder of the value of weapons and how much a weapon can make life easier for a quarterback. So, oh, he found Malik Taylor, and he found Dominique Daphne on a nice scramble. That's nice. We would probably judge Jordan Love differently if he was out there with Devontae Adams on one side, Alan Lazard on the other, and Aaron Jones in the backfield behind him. I think that changes the way that we watch Jordan Love. Another factor, Jordan Love hasn't played since 2019. That's important. That's something important to consider. This is his first real football action in years. That's a tough ask. I was thinking about this today. I was thinking some of the old video games that I really used to like and play really hard but haven't touched in a while. Like one of my favorite video games used to be Super Smash Bros. Brawl. If you asked me to grab a GameCube controller or a Wii remote and go off in that game right now, probably struggle for a couple of rounds. By the way, everyone thinks Melee is better. Oh, Melee is way better than Brawl. No, it wasn't. Brawl Brawl was much more inventive, and it kind of added things to the game that Melee didn't, although it was really fun on GameCube. Not the point. Anyways, you give me an hour to warm up on that video game that I haven't played in a couple of years? Okay. All right, now now I'm good. Now I'm going to work everyone. Now it's going to be embarrassing for everyone else. You just got to give me a little time. Jordan Love hasn't played competitive football in a real game in two years. That's an important factor, and those are just a couple of factors, a few reasons to cut Jordan Love a little slack. Now... There are also a couple of reasons, things to consider when judging Jordan Love. Reasons why we still need to keep our expectations high, where we need to remind ourselves, oh yeah, um, Jordan Love needs to be good because of this, this, and this. Now, I think there are fewer reasons why we should have high expectations rather than reasons why we should cut him some slack, but I do have two reasons. Number one, 
even though Jordan Love doesn't have to play yet this year or maybe next, who knows, he's still a first-round pick. And they spent that first-round pick on him, plus the fourth-rounder that they traded. And that's important to consider, right? If I go to McDonald's and I spend a dollar and I get a soggy McChicken, okay, I'm, I'll live. Like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to lose sleep over that. It'd be a bummer. I love a good McChicken. But I'm not going to raise a scene and make a commotion in the drive-thru. Now, if I go to a steakhouse and I spend 130 bucks and the steak blows, maybe I make a bit of a scene. Who knows? Although I'm Midwestern, so I'd probably eat it, tell the server it was delicious, and leave a large tip anyways because that's typically how we do things. There's a little bit of a difference between spending a dollar on a meal. They might be more than a dollar now. Did McDonald's up their value menu? Because I know Taco Bell did, and I... Whatever. I always thought I was getting away with something at Taco Bell when I spent 99 cents on a spicy potato taco. If it's a buck 50, I'll still pay it. It's still cheap. Is a McChicken still a dollar? It might be 149. Maybe this is a sign that I need to pay more attention with how much I spend on food. <laughs> Just ring it up. I don't even care. Just grab a couple dollar menu items or value menu items, whatever. I think, I think Taco Bell's the cravings menu. That's how they get you. It's not the dollar menu anymore. It's the cravings menu. You also don't notice that your item is now 149. Because your idiot is too lazy to look at the receipt. I know. I don't look at the receipt. If I spend a buck, I'm going to judge that food differently compared to spending $130, right? Jordan Love is not Brett Hundley, who is a fifth-round pick. He's not Davis Mills, who I'm pretty sure the Texans got in the second or third round. I don't care. I hope I never have to watch Davis Mills play football. Or Jarrett Stidham, who is a fourth-round pick. Jordan Love was taken 26th overall. Not a side project. Not a developmental project, at least to the degree that Brett Hundley or Deshaun Kaiser was. He needs development, but it's development with the plan that one day he's a franchise quarterback. Not, well, we'll give him a couple of years and see if he can't be the backup. Put him through the Mike McCarthy school of quarterbacks. Oh, I got, I got three years invested in Brett Hundley. I got two years invested in Joe Callahan. I like this quarterback room just the way it is. Right? Remember that awesome speech that he gave right before they lost like six games in a row. They spent a first-round pick on him. And even though he doesn't have to play right away, we need to remember, oh, yeah, okay, they spent a first and a fourth on this guy. He kind of needs to be good. At least he needs to be viable. Otherwise, it's a bit of a problem. That's a reason to keep expectations high. Another reason to kind of keep our expectations high and to kind of expect this guy to be good. The Packers just a little bit tipped the apple cart over for this guy. Not just a little bit. They really did. The Packers, when they selected Jordan Love and they compounded it by not telling Aaron Rodgers about it, which is something that they probably should have done differently. They turned over the apple cart for this guy. They started the clock on the unhappy Aaron Rodgers wanting out of Green Bay thing. They cooked themselves up a huge issue of an offseason here. And while the Packers, I think, should be respected a little bit for their organizational cajones to do that, right, Jordan Love better not suck. Like, if my girlfriend is a nine, and you're like, nice, Grant. Well, it's my hypothetical. I can set this up any way I want. If my girlfriend is a total nine, super hot, and I make her mad because I'm looking around for somebody else. The other woman better be a 10, okay? Because if not, then what was it all for? And I'm not saying Jordan Love has to be better than Aaron Rodgers because we're not talking about women here. We're talking about quarterbacks and the timelines and the ages matter. But Jordan Love can't suck because you ticked off a guy who then went on to win his third MVP and you accelerated his exit from the franchise and muddied it up, right? The other woman better be a 10. And Jordan Love in the, is the other girl in the situation, right? Jordan Love is... is the, the cute girl that Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekinds got kind of caught. Oh, look at her over there. Maybe that would be fun. Meanwhile, the other girlfriend is sitting right next to them thinking, uh-huh, excuse me, What's, uh, what are you doing? 
And you saw him on draft night. You saw that grin that Matt LaFleur had on his face. It's uh, Comparison's not that far off. So not only did the Packers spend a first and a fourth, which now I expect him to be good, they also tipped over the proverbial apple cart and really made a mess to get this guy. So while we should be patient because he doesn't have to start and we haven't seen him with Devontae Adams and company yet and he hadn't played since 2019, uh, let's remind ourselves this guy was a first-round pick and the Packers might have just nuked the organization uh, to get this guy. So he needs to be good. Maybe not yet, but sooner rather than later. Let's take a break. I want to take your reaction. Send me a text. What do you think of Jordan Love after two games, 35 pass attempts in his first preseason and first football action since 2019 when he was in college? We'll get to that on the other side. Also hear a little bit from Nathaniel Hackett, maybe, if we have time. He had a couple interesting comments, and I hadn't heard from Nathaniel Hackett. We've heard from Rodgers, heard from LaFleur. What about the offensive coordinator? Hear a bit from him on Jordan Love so far. That's all coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you had a swell weekend. The good Brewers game starts tonight. Yeah, Twins Brewers fun rivalry, but the Twins stink and Series didn't really mean anything anyways. Brewers lost two, and then the Reds lost two as well. So nothing changed. A series of real consequence starts tonight against the best team in the National League, San Francisco Giants, who picked up Jose Quintana today. Uh, Brewers nemesis from a few years ago. Maybe that comes into play. I doubt it, though. He's been pretty bad this year. He's DFA'd by the Angels. More on that later. More on the Brewers later. Right now, we're talking about Jordan Love. I think I did an okay job. Not to... Not to judge myself. I, I don't know. I wanted to start the show by saying, hey, here are a couple of reasons to maybe cut Jordan Love a little slack. And here are a couple of reasons to remember, okay, yeah, but he, we also have expectations for him, right? It's been a while since he's played. Haven't seen him with the ones. He doesn't have to start yet. Okay, reasons to be patient. But also, he was a first-round pick. And he might have, by being selected, just turned over the organizational apple cart and made the three-time MVP Aaron Rodgers really upset. And I don't know if that's a bell that you can unring. 608 Seven nine six two five five eight. We have a couple of texts to get to, but first, Big Joe, your thoughts on Jordan Love? How are you, buddy? Hey, buddy. How you doing? Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you too. It's Jordan Love Monday. It's mostly what we're talking about today. Before we move you on to like real Grant, football things, yes. Right, Grant. You kind of already know how I feel. To quote the movie uh, "Wedding Singer" with Adam Sandler, one thing's for sure: love stinks. Love stinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why are you the anti-Jordan Love guy? You're such a happy-go-lucky, positive dude, and you're the one guy who's so outspoken with texts and tweets. You just I, hate him. I've watched him, and he makes a couple decent throws, but he makes a lot of bad, dumb decisions and bad throws. That's my big thing, man. Yeah, but you don't think he can fix that? He's still young. He hasn't played much yet. Rodgers and Favre made some dumb throws, too. First of all, I'm not like I'm not saying that Jordan Love is the next right. MVP quarterback. I'm just, I'm just saying he could get better, though. But you don't think so? Hey, the quote... To quote Evo, who I'm sure is listening, he's, he's in a quarterback situation that was very highly successful, was he not? <laughs> <laughs> if only he had Mike McCarthy to help him develop. I think that's his biggest issue. Bring Mike back. Hey, Get him out of Dallas. He's, he's full of hope. He's Captain Hope. I mean, come on. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Well, it's just one of those Grant, things. I've, yeah. Right. I've had a pretty good day all in all, buddy. I had to take with the, the good with the bad. I finally got my uh, federal tax return today. Oh, so that really? That was a good thing. You got plans? Yeah, the bad thing was, Grant, 
Uh, just saving it and using it for some bills, buddy. Um, the bad thing, I broke my wire on my retainer, so I got to go get that fixed this week. Ah, uh, what a pain in the butt. That sucks. Oh, that always sucks, man. It always sucks. Hey, anything to protect Evo's that smile, wife. though, Big Joe. Anything to protect exactly. that smile. Ebo's wife is a dental hygienist. Why can't she give Big Joe a discount on a wire? Come on. Friend of show. You feel like... He's wearing a wire. Come on. <laughs> I think you're right, Big Joe. Hey, over the next year or so, if we see more of Jordan Love, I, I want you to maybe update that take. If he starts looking good now, you gotta you got to update us and if your opinion changes, okay? Dave from Monono, who I'm sure is listening, would say this and would agree with me. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. <laughs> That's true. Even a broken yeah. watch is right twice a day. Is that the expression? Right. Same kind of thing? Exactly. Grant, I had a great time at the Snappers game yesterday. I saw an awesome game. It was 9-8. The Snappers won in 10. They Ooh. won on a walk-off walk. Really? That's that's that, some low-level baseball stuff right there. I love that. That that pitcher, to quote the movie Major League, those guys are laying off pitches that close. <laughs> I don't know how those guys are laying off pitches that close. Well, go Snaps, Big Joe. Are you staying up late for the Brewers tonight? Go Snaps. Go Snaps. Of course I'll be listening, buddy. Heck yeah. All right, right here on sixteen right here on sixteen seventy uh one yeah, ninety six seven FM the zone. I'm Big Joe. That you're listening to Zach Heilfrin for the sports report and Zach and uh Grant Bill's sports talk right now. I'm gonna save that. Make it into a promo. Thanks for the call, buddy. <laughs> have a good night. See you, buddy, see you later. Yep. Big Big Joe. I'm gonna save that audio. I'm gonna have to edit it. He's he tripped over his words a couple of times. On sixteen seventy, the zone. Madison's home for Brewers baseball or something like that. I don't know how you guys are branding it. Thank you, Big Joe. Big Joe's so anti-Jordan Love. He's such a happy-go-lucky guy, and yet he is Mr. Anti-Jordan Love. Maybe he's jaded by the thought of romance, and that's he can't get over the last name Love. I don't know. I also appreciate all the movie quotes. Make it a lot easier to understand your takes if you have some analogy. It's the Colin Cowherd approach. I Googled Jordan Love today just because I'm curious. Sometimes I like Googling something and just looking at headlines. I don't have time to read the actual articles. Are you kidding me? But no, I, I think it's good to like take a pulse. Look at as many headlines as possible. See what they are. These are the first three headlines that came up. Number one, Bleacher Report. Jordan Love's preseason shows Packers need to commit to Aaron Rodgers past 2021. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, this one from Fox News. Packers quarterback Jordan Love panics in preseason loss against the Bills. Oh, really? That's a little strong. Final one. Matt LaFleur has brutally honest assessment of Jordan Love. I think those are... Headlines that had a little sexying up, don't you think? Like, I don't I think those are a little dramatic. I don't know if he panicked. He had a bad throw off his back foot, and we can talk about that a little bit. Nathaniel Hackett, offensive coordinator for the Packers, one guy we really haven't heard from about Jordan Love yet, asked, how did Jordan Love look against Buffalo? What do you think? Uh, I'll tell you, I, especially coming off of that little bit of an injury that he had, I, I thought he did a really good job. I think that he had a couple of those errors that you just want to take out of his game. When people were running right at him, and you know that's the first time you get to to see how somebody's going to react, how he's going to react. So I think that that's good for him to put that in his memory bank, so that he can just take care of the football, and then those drives are going to be even better. But I thought he strung together a couple really good drives and versus a really good defense at another play, at their house. So I think uh, you know it, it was good. It was really good, and he's just going to keep getting better. Bills did play a lot of their ones. I don't know if it was 100% their starting roster, but Tredavious White was in there, right? Micah Hyde was in there. Those are starters, smart, seasoned players who've played a lot more games, certainly, than Jordan Love. He didn't have that bad throw off his back foot. No, that was bad, okay? But I don't know if we need to fixate that on 
on that one play and be like, hey, that play is the reason that he sucks altogether. I think there's a lot of good, a lot of bad, and one reason why the Packers like taking their time with quarterbacks, I would assume. I don't think this is a, I don't think I'm speaking out of pocket here. They like time to work on mistakes like that. Part of that is learning and achieving more confidence too, which is something Eric from Trempolo texts in about. He says, I think Jordan Love, I think of Jordan Love like Jared Goff, in the system that can take some responsibility off the quarterback role, he will be successful, but he will need to take the next step that Goff never took. Confidence comes from preparation. Love's need to, Love needs to continue to prepare. I agree with the environment. I think the McVay offense, LeFleur offense, hopefully similar. A lot of help for the quarterback, but I don't think they drafted Jordan Love to be Jared Goff. I think they hope there's more high-end and big play potential. I don't know if Jordan Love is, is like that in, with Jared Goff. Now, Jared Goff took a team to the Super Bowl. He wasn't the driving factor, but he was the quarterback on a Super Bowl team. I think the Packers are hoping for more flash, more confidence, more high-end plays from Jordan Love, at least the best version, the the the, the top version of what Jordan Love could be. Here's Nathaniel Hackett talking about his confidence. I, I would say it's it's grown, but he he's he's pretty, you know, even keeled. You know, I mean he he just every day, not, not too high, not too low. He's the same guy. And and I really appreciate that about him. Uh, but you can see like, you know, when he starts doing some good things, he starts feeling a little saucy every now and then so uh but 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 I'll tell you he it's just about continuing learning and growing I mean year two I mean he's had just these past two games in preseason so there's so much more room to grow for him don't make the same mistake twice right uh hey Jordan you know that throw off your back foot with a rusher in your face in the red zone maybe don't maybe don't do that again I don't blame him he hasn't played in two years I wouldn't want to go in there and just start checking the ball down I want to see if I can make some plays so i I don't blame him. Even Aaron Rodgers talked about, you know, preseason and practice reps. Get a little gutsier. Use it as an experiment. Use it to see if you can fit that ball in between those defenders. Why not? It's preseason. Who cares? Here's Nathaniel Hackett, final cut, and then we'll take a break, get into the Brewers a little bit. Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator for the Packers, talking about Jordan Love's role this season and next season. What does he see for Jordan Love? The starter at any point, or is he a backup right now? What was going on? That's always one of those tricky things because – uh, he's always going to have to prepare like a starter, any backup, to be able to go in there at the moment's notice. Um, so that's really starts in the meeting room. So that's the mental aspect of it that can never stop for him from our game plans, how we game plan, what we're trying to attack, what we're trying to do. Um, and then the speed and timing of it is that he's got to take you know those opportunities to be able to lead the scout team uh, going full speed against our very good defense. So I think that those are the ways that you can get that uh, up-tempo quick uh, you know, decision-making. Even though it might not be what we're doing, you have to put yourself in that mindset of if that was our play. So I think that that's just going to be his process now as we move forward. Reasons to be excited. Reasons to pump the brakes. We're going to get back into Jordan Love after 5 o'clock. Most of the second hour of the show is going to be all Packers and all Jordan Love. We'll do some roster stuff, too. I have some takes on running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, mostly skilled positions. No roster prediction, unfortunately. I was going to do a full 53, and then I remembered that I would rather... I would rather chew on concrete than do that. Spend a half hour doing a roster prediction. I'll say this and then we'll move on. Jordan Love was not amazing. He's not going to be an MVP right now, but he wasn't terrible. He's not garbage. So anyone who tells you that he sucks or anyone who tells you he's amazing, there's no extreme here, all right? First preseason under the belt, made some good plays, made some bad plays. He'll learn, he'll get better, hopefully. That's all we know right now, which is why I want to take a break and talk about something else. The Brewers dropped two or three from this weekend. Most of this weekend was just me arguing with my relatives, and I'll explain coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco 
Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. On Twitter, at Wisco Grant. The talk and text line, 608-796-2558. Schmidt on the north side, just putting one on the tee. About to start talking about the Brewers. He says, I'm curious to hear your take on pitchers like Ashby come playoff time. Seems like he could be a good fit for one of Council's outgetters. What are you thinking? Are you just trying to... You just you read my mind, Schmidt on the north side? I, I do think Ashby, like Jordan Love, to tie these two topics together, I think bringing him along slowly. Right? I don't think Council thinks of Aaron Ashby right now what he will think of him in a month and a half. I think they want to sprinkle an Ashby here and there, get him productive outings, productive moments, right? Like, all right, we get him in here for an inning and a half. He'll face a couple good hitters. All right, that's good experience. Do that again next week and next week, maybe a spot start like this weekend. So come playoff time, then we can really feel confident about using him, probably in that middle relief role like Corbin Burns in 2018, like Freddie Peralta last year. And they could use him as a spot starter if they want to do more of a bullpen day and feel like, let's say the Brewers are in a uh, seven-game playoff series. They can go Woodruff, Burns, Peralta, and then he'd be Ashby and company. You can do Ashby and Hauser, or you can tandem Hauser and Ashby, whatever, and then you can get back to the beginning of the rotation, back to Corbin Burns, so all three of those guys ideally pitch two times if a series goes all seven. They're also going to have off days, assumedly, in the playoffs this year, unlike last year due to COVID, which I think asks less of a pitcher like Aaron Ashby and makes it even easier for the Brewers to get the most out of their three stud starters. Oh, but Schmidt on the north side, we are not quite there yet. I'm all for mixing in a playoff-themed topic and thinking about the Brewers in terms of a potential playoff situation, but we got games to play. We got to talk about this twin series. Or or do we? Don't we? I'm not sure. Aaron Ashby had a really good start on Sunday. Was that yesterday or Saturday? I'm not going to lie. I wasn't exactly dialed into Brewers twins this weekend. I'm not usually super dialed into Brewers games on Friday nights anyways. Between you and me, I kind of take Friday nights off. Like I watch Brewer game every night because I got to talk about the next day. If I watch Friday night and take pages of notes, all right, great. Look at Grant being a good sports radio host. But then I'm not on until Monday. So by Monday, they will have played on Saturday and on Sunday. And by that point, right, those are the games that are fresh on our mind. So typically I take Fridays off. But Aaron Ashby went yesterday. Five innings, two earned runs, four strikeouts, one walk. Getting a little better. Another productive outing taking a step in the right direction. So hopefully he's the perfect version of what they need. Come postseason time, as Schmidt on the north side mentions. Hopefully we'll get there. The Brewers did not gain or lose any ground this weekend because the Reds lost two of three. The Brewers lost two of three. So we're still at eight and a half in the division. I have the standings here in front of me. Hold on. Let me check. Eight and a half. Yep. 79 and 52. A winning percentage, if you were curious, of .603. Uh, 36 and 29 at home. 43 and 23 on the road, which I believe is like two wins away from a Brewers franchise record of road wins, which they said in 1982. Nobody asked for those numbers, but I had them in front of me, so I'm going to give them to you. I got a little sassy on Friday night on Twitter, and maybe you noticed. It was uncalled for, uh, but most things that are said on Twitter are uncalled for. Brewers were getting nicked up a little bit by the Twins. I got irrationally upset. I don't know why. The Twins are 57 and 73. They're not a team that I should worry about. Brewers fans, you shouldn't worry about the Twins. Lions don't concern themselves with the opinion of sheep. I see a t-shirt like that at the weight room, it seems like, every week. Seems like an expression that applies here. So I tweeted about it, my frustration, and I will read you this tweet verbatim as to not misrepresent myself. I tweeted on Friday night as the Brewers are losing. Hey, Twins fans, before you start talking smack to Brewers fans, just know we aren't watching 
we are out drinking and discussing playoff lineups, which is too true to a degree. I didn't watch much on Friday. I was keeping up with it, and I did have a couple of drinks, and I think probably saw a friend or two, and we did discuss playoff lineups. Very rewarding. Enjoyable activity. The thing is, no Twins fans were really talking smack on Friday night. I was punching down. You're not supposed to do that, right? You're supposed to worry about those above you and on your level. You're not supposed to punch down, which is why I don't exactly talk a lot of smack to Vikings fans at the moment or Bears fans. We have the season for that. That's why I normally talk smack about Brady and Russell Wilson. They more deserve it. If anyone was talking smack this weekend, it was over Target Field not having a roof. Like, I got into arguments with family members. I have a couple family members who live in the Twin Cities, and we were texting over the weekend because they were at some games, and I have some friends. I grew up about an hour from the Twin Cities, so a lot of my high school buddies, who I still talk to, there aren't many of them, but there are a few, they're Twins fans, and they were at the game because it was super cheap tickets this weekend. It's a fun game. I don't, I don't get the, the, the roof beef that some people have. Always talking smack about what was Miller Park and what's now American Family Field. Oh, stupid roof ruined the view or whatever. Twins fans love to talk about the skyline. Oh, skyline this, skyline Oh, the skyline in the Twin Cities. Beautiful. I've been there. All right, you know what else is pretty? The game that I bought tickets to watch. And that game cannot be played if it's raining. Unless it's Saturday, they played through the rain because they didn't want to delay it. Lorenzo Cain almost exploded his knee in center field because of it. I know the skyline is pretty. Target Field is gorgeous. I've been to a concert there. I've been to games there. It is really pretty. I just have this roof superiority complex thing, and I need to see a therapist about it. If there's a therapist that specializes in sports, especially NFC championship game losses, first, I feel you could make a fortune in the state, and you should also text me, please, confidential 608-796-2558 just say you're a therapist patient doctor confidentiality I won't broadcast what you say on air I promise so Friday it rains they play through it Saturday it rains Lorenzo Cain almost blows out his knee I thought he was going on the aisle for a month I was like oh great and then it's nice yesterday and my uncle Jerry who lives in Eden Prairie my dad's brother big twins fan talking smack in our group chat he sent a picture on Sunday he's like sure I'm glad there isn't a roof today no need for a roof Yep, Uncle Jerry, what about the last two games? And it was raining outside. You know what? You know what? Never mind. Have a great time at the game. Enjoy the game and your beautiful skyline and your terrible team that's 30 games below 500 or whatever. You can see I have issues with this. I'm, I'm broadcasting my issues here to make myself feel better, which is not what this show is for. I don't have much to say about this series. I guess I have a few things. The umpiring was, was terrible on Friday, especially Friday. It was bad. It spotted the Twins like an extra run and a half in terms of expected outcome. So much to the point where Pat Murphy just took the bullet on Saturday. He's like, well, I'll take the lineup card out. I might as well get ejected before the game starts. So he got thrown out of the game on Saturday before the game even started. And then Rowdy Telez like, sneezed incorrectly or something, and the ump threw him out. I'm so, I'm so sick of this. Because if baseball umpires would stop looking for things that aren't there, then they'd see the things that are there, like the strike zone, which they've really had issues with at times during the season. The umpiring is kind of a moot point. We don't really need to talk too much about it. I do want to talk about Christian Yelich. We should probably talk about Christian Yelich. Mike Vassallo, Brewers Senior Director of Media Relations, as his Twitter account says, tweeted this. Nice summary. In his last 17 games, Christian Yelich is batting 359 with two home runs and 12 RBIs. His only hitless game came as a pinch hitter. That's 23 of 64. Yelich is on an eight-game hitting streak batting... 414 appropriate for Milwaukee, 12 of 29 with two home runs and nine RBIs. Christian Yelich still doesn't have the power, at least with the frequency that we would like, the frequency we've seen in previous seasons. But he's hitting more consistently. 
And he is getting doubles. He's hitting the ball hard. It's not resulting in home runs, but the barrels, the exit velocity, if I was smart enough to do a data collection of only the last two weeks, and I'm sure baseball savant it could work. I don't know. We'll, we'll ask David Gasper tomorrow. I'll just be like, yo, can you dig up a bunch of numbers and just bring them when you join the show tomorrow? <laughs> Maybe we'll do that. Hey, uh, David Gasper, just a quick question. Do you happen to have the number of the last two weeks? Can you get barrel percentage on Christian Yelich? And while you're there, can you also get exit velocity? Because he has been hitting the ball harder. It's not necessarily leaving the ballpark, but he is hitting the ball harder, and he looks like a more natural hitter. If we can only get some sneaky power here and there, it doesn't have to be all the time. It doesn't have to be every at bat, but mix in home runs here and there so the threat of power is more real. Something that was very evident this weekend and is becoming more evident more routinely is he's hitting to all fields. And if you remember our conversation with David Gasper last Tuesday reviewing the brew, I said, look, what does Christian Yelich have to do to be back? We all know home runs, yes. That's, that's part of it, but he's not going to all of a sudden get hot and go for 40 home runs this season, right? That's kind of a lost cause. What else can we watch for? And he said hitting the ball to all fields. We saw quite a bit of that this weekend. So if he can continue to consistently hit, spray the ball to all fields, be a threat to hit some doubles and driving runs, and then mix in a random occasional home run, Brewers are going to be a pretty good spot, especially when they get Eduardo Escobar back. And God help us if Jackie Bradley Jr. can ever do literally anything. They should be in a pretty good spot offensively. In 2018, Christian Yelich was hitting for a ton of power, and they needed all of it from Yelich. They don't need it. They don't need the volume from Yelich. They don't need the quantity, but they need a little quality here and there, big moments and big games. This giant series should be pretty important. This will be a great test because Christian Yelich is probably going to have big opportunities in close games against a really good opponent to make a difference. It's one thing to do it against the Pirates. It's one thing to kind of get your swing back against the Twins. But in big moments against the Giants, can you be a difference maker? Can you be an MVP that tilts a series or tilts a game or tilts a a seven-game stretch? That's the new measuring stick for Christian Yelich, and it will be probably through the end of the year because his numbers just aren't going to be representative. This is a lost season. But they could still really use him to win games and win important close games like these against the Giants or, God willing, in the postseason against the Dodgers. Brewers lead the NL Central, like I said, by eight and a half because Cincinnati lost 2-3 or three to the Marlins. This is the thing about the Reds, and I, I said this when we started the second half of the season. Like, yeah, the Reds have a really advantageous schedule, but are they a team that you can consistently trust to take advantage of bad opponents? I, I don't think so, or at least not above average. The thing about the Brewers in the last 10 years, they would always scuffle with the Pirates at times, or they'd scuffle with bad teams because their starting pitching was so inconsistent, and if their power would shut off, if Gomez and Fielder and Braun or whoever weren't knocking out home runs, you could lose two or three games to the Pirates in short order, and I don't think the Reds are a streaky team to that degree. Their starting pitching has certainly been a lot better in the second half, and I, I like their rotation. Wade Miley's been great, and Sonny Gray's been good. Castillo's Castillo, but I, I don't know if they're a team that can consistently, efficiently mop up against bad opponents, maybe like the Brewers can. And that's why, even though their schedule's easier here in the second half, I, I don't know if it's going to be nearly enough to make up eight and a half games. The Brewers would have to collapse to such a degree, and I just... I don't know if that's going to happen. Richie tweets in and said, Will Salmon just wrote an article about those yelly numbers you want. Oh, barrel and, well, okay, I'm going to look for those and maybe we'll wrap up the show with that right before six o'clock. I need a little time to read. I did all my reading about the Packers today. I was looking at roster projections. Danny Heifetz, friend of show who's at the ringer, wrote a really interesting piece about nature versus nurture with young quarterbacks, right? Is it about talent or is it about situation? I thought applicable to Jordan Love. The one day I don't read Will Salmon, he ends up writing a piece with, the exact numbers that I need. Thank you, Richie. I'm going to check that out before the end of the show. Let's take a break, get an update from Mike Clemens, and then a funny story about Javi Baez, because I find it entertaining. 
That's really the only reason, but I want to talk about that coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, a training camp update. In Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers wrapped up the preseason with a 19-0 loss to the Buffalo Bills. The last time the Packers went winless in the preseason was 1987, when Forrest Gregg was head coach. Jordan Love was able to play after missing the joint practices and the game against the Jets. He revealed the shoulder injury he suffered against the Texans. Yeah, so I, I mean, I strained my uh, rotator cuff, the back part of my uh, muscle right here in the back. So uh, shoulder feels good. Um, obviously, it feels... Better than last week. That's why I was able to play this week. Love went 12 for 18 for 149 yards and one interception. Offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, I'll tell you, especially coming off of that little bit of an injury that he had, uh, I thought he did a really good job. He had a couple of those errors that you just want to take out of his game, but I thought he strung together a couple really good drives and versus a really good defense at another play, at their house. Rookie Royce Newman held his own against the Bills' defensive line. It looks like he's won the right guard position. Uh, I mean, it's all about confidence, uh, just being able to trust yourself, trusting your hands, trusting your feet, just going out there and playing you know that level of competition. Uh, if you have no confidence, I mean, it's going to be pretty hard to compete in this league. The Packers must reduce the roster to 53 players by 3 p.m. tomorrow. Matt LaFleur asked will special teams play a role on who they keep at wide receiver. Yeah, I think we look at everything. You know, there's some tough decisions that are going to come down to where you feel like you really can't make a bad decision, although they are difficult because you'd like to keep all 80 of these guys. Best Packers coverage. Mike Clements in Green Bay, an excellent contributor to the show and a great resource. Richie in Eau Claire, an excellent resource as well, because I was talking out of my butt saying, well, the home runs aren't there from Yellowage, but the exit velo, the, the barrel percentage, that's there. Not knowing whether or not that's true, because I don't know the numbers. But you, you can see it with your eyes. He's hitting the ball harder, and Richie tweets in and says, well, will Sam at The Athletic just put a piece out today? Has the exact numbers you want. So I have produced, I have, uh, Bill Michaels always says cast of thousands. I have producers by the thousands. Here's the data. I found the article and control F. Not like I ever used that in college to find the answer to a quiz I may or may not have been cheating. Ah, not cheating. Uh, cheating. Uh, it just is efficiency for the sake of efficiency, let's say. Uh, Yelich average exit velocity on nine batted balls in three games against the Reds is 95 miles per hour. For the season and before the series, it was around 90. Things looked even better in Minnesota on nine batted balls in three games against the Twins. His average exit velocity was 100.7 miles per hour. What did I say? Driving the ball, making better contact, not resulting in home runs. But we got time. The Brewers don't need home runs right now from Yelich to win now against the Giants this week. It'd be nice. I'm not going to lie. It'd be nice to get some homers from, from Yelich this week. Wisco Sports Show, if I didn't mention that. My name is Grant Bills. Thank you for the data, Richie. Uh, you kind of bailed me out there. I wanted to joke about this really quickly because we all follow the Cubs as well, their divisional rival. And I think the most entertaining story in baseball this weekend wasn't the Brewers, but it was Javi Baez in the in the Mets. Because remember when Steve Cohen, Mets owner, put out a tweet a couple weeks ago? He's like, how can professional hitters be this undisciplined, this unproductive? Like, amazing for an owner to tweet that. Baez, since getting to New York, Mr. Undisciplined, and sorry Cubs fans, but he's not exactly the most technically sound hitter. He's hitting 210 with 13 hits and 62 at-bats in New York with 22 strikeouts. The Mets have only won four of their last 16 games, 
and they're 16 and 27 since the All-Star break. They're circling the drain. Meanwhile, Francisco Lindor and Javi Baez have been doing this thing after they get hits. They're, they're putting their thumb down. He was asked about this after the game, and this is Baez's answer, and this is amazing. I love this. Hey, Javier, what does the thumbs down celebration after a big hit mean? This is the booze that we get. We're not, we're not machines. We're going to struggle, you know. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna struggle seven times out of, out, out of ten. It just, it just feels bad when, when, when we strike out. When I strike out and I get booed, you know, it doesn't really get to me, but, like, I want, I want to let them know that when we success, we're going to do the same thing to, to, know how, to, to let them know how, how it feels, you know, because if we win together, then we, we got to lose together, you know, and, and, and the fans are really big part of it. So in my case, they, they got to be better, you know. I, I play for the fans and I love the fans, but, you know, if – if they're going to do that, they, they just put in more pressures on the team. And, and that's, not, that's not what we want. God, the set on this guy. To get to New York, be hurt for a lot of the games, and then be terrible in the games that he has played in. This team is circling the drain. They had a lead in the division, which might be the most winnable division in baseball, the NL East. And he's like, you know what? I don't appreciate The fans need to be better. <laughs> the fans. Can the fans step it up, please? Really disappointed in the fans. <laughs> it's amazing. We talked about this when he went to New York. I said, look, Chicago values Javi Baez at a different level because he was part of the rebuild. He was part of the come up. He was part of the World Series championship. Right? They have a connection with Javi Baez that simply won't exist elsewhere. That's why different players have different value to different teams. Ben Simmons is infinitely more valuable to the Sixers as part of the process. A number one overall pick. Right, and they're kind of crown jewel of that Sam Hinkie philosophy. If he goes to Sacramento, well, now he's a reclamation project. Different level of value. There's a different level of value as Javi Baez is now in New York and is in Chicago. We talked about this weeks ago, and now we're seeing it play out. I just love the audacity to be really, really bad and still tell the fans, like, hey, can the fans be better, though? We're really disappointed with the fans. This is amazing. More on Jordan Love in the Packers' final preseason game next on the Wisco Sports Show. Kind of an intimate program, really, when you think about it. It's a source of intimacy for couples. Uh, maybe if you and your significant other, maybe you're just not connecting right now, we'll throw the show on in the background and join it together. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. We don't always stick to sports on this show. We occasionally we talk about other things. Food Network Week was, was that last week or two weeks ago? A lot of analogies when it comes to, I think, understanding Jordan Love and how we should judge Jordan Love. Rehash a couple of those here in a few minutes. We occasionally bring real life. We bring pop culture into the show. I just got to get this off my chest. And this might be an unpopular take, but I, I think Kanye's new album sucks. <laughs> and I kind of thought it would suck. Like, my expectations were zero for this album, which is why I don't get it, because I feel like most people haven't really loved a Kanye album in two years. I haven't really loved a Kanye album since Life of Pablo in 2016, and yet we're all pulling our hair out. Oh, my God, when is he going to drop? Well, okay, he finally dropped, but is the album any good? I think I listened to four songs, and one of them was the intro, which is just this weird chant thing. So I I don't know. I, I did not like it. I did not enjoy it. Thank you. I will wait for Drake to drop his album later this week. 
I think we're going to get softcore Drake again, just based on the album art. And it's called Certified Lover Boy. Like, I think it's going to be the best version of Drake, which is really fruity, like softcore Drake. I don't need hardcore, aggressive rapper Drake. That's just not my thing. Give me the, give me the soft stuff, okay? Give me Feel No Ways. Give me Blem. Give me Connect. That's, that's what I'm looking for. I think that's what we're going to get. I know the Kanye did not, did not do it for me. Talking a little bit about Evo with that. I texted him today. I think we're going to discuss that in the morning when I join him tomorrow at 740. If the Brewers game doesn't go till 3 in the morning and if I'm able to get up in time, I'll always get up for Evo. What am I talking about? This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. A lot of Jordan love for the next 45 minutes, so strap in. Probably one of the last times we're really going to tackle Jordan love for the next few months because once the season starts, which is in a week and a half, we're going to be talking Rodgers, Adams, is David Bakhtiari healthy? When's he coming back? Is uh, Kevin King, Eric, how's Eric Stokes look? And oh, the special teams, right? <laughs> like we're going to be doing that. So I feel like we should really get into Jordan Love today, maybe a little tomorrow. Well, his final preseason game is fresh on the brain. We'll come to some sort of conclusion or we'll kind of put in a pin in that and then we'll move on. That's what we're going to do for the next 45 minutes. Love for you to be a part of it. See what I did there? 608-796-2558, the talk and text line. Tyler and Menominee, uh, I'm sorry, Tyler, I didn't get to this when we were talking about the Brewers. He said, fun fact, Reds have 30 games left, and their best 30-game stretch this year is 20-10. and 10. That would mean the Brewers would need to go 11-20 and 20 to lose the division. It's over. I do think it is just about over, yes, and because I'm going to assume you are better at math than I am because just about everybody is, I'm going to trust those numbers and not do them myself because I don't know if I'm capable of doing uh, doing them myself. Duckin Holman says, Kanye is no Will Smite. That's for show. I don't know what that means, but I agree because I think Donda sucks. If I wanted to listen to an echoey voice over aggressive drum beats, I would get my headphones on, find some crappy, free, royalty-free beat on YouTube, and I would go scream into a storm drain because that's what the album sounds like. If it's your thing, hey, go to town, enjoy it. I'm not going to hate on you for it, but this is is my show. I think you expect a certain level of uh, opinions on this show. That's my opinion. I think it bites. And I think Drake's album, which will be much better on Thursday, but I knew that before listening to Kanye. I didn't need to wait until last night or the night before to draw that conclusion. 608-796-2558, Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Let's do the Jordan Love thing. 19 to nothing, the final score on Saturday. Not exactly a final score or a record, 0-3 in the preseason. None of those numbers are going to make you feel great. But then you remember it's preseason and it doesn't really matter anyway. I was reading some roster predictions and some roster projections today. And I think for some position groups, the preseason actually did the trick. I think this preseason was instrumental in confirming what I think a lot of us already thought about some position groups, especially the wide receivers. I think we came into this preseason with a question or two about the wide receivers, and the three preseason games answered those questions. Now, for some defensive positions... And for Jordan Love, I think it's a little bit more open-ended. I don't think you can take a whole lot away from the preseason, which is why I saw people freaking out about the Vikings. Like, oh, this season's going to suck. Well, I don't know. Maybe, but I don't know if you can glean that from the preseason. Justin Fields, who everybody absolutely loves, was not very accurate this preseason. If you look at accuracy rates overexpected this preseason— Justin Fields is actually the worst out of all the rookie quarterbacks except for Davis Mills. Does anybody think that Justin Fields is worse than Kyle Trask or Sam Ellinger or Ian Book or Kellen Mond? I certainly don't, but that's what the numbers say. right? That's that's what I'm saying. We can only take so much away from the preseason. So what did you see from Jordan Love? What do you think is fair? What do you think isn't fair? 
How much should we expect? How much should we be critical, right? These are the things that I want to hear from you today. 608-796, let's go to the phones. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who am I talking to? This is John in Madison, Wisconsin. How are we doing? Great, John in Madison, Wisconsin. What do you think about Jordan Love? Well, I got a theory kind of on evaluating players in general, but first, uh, the only album I'm excited for that will eventually grace the airwaves is Kendrick Lamar's album that we are all waiting for eventually, right? That will be great. Do you can, can I ask Someday you, so the last album from Kendrick was Damn. I, Damn is my favorite Kendrick album. So if this trajectory continues, I think I'm going to love whatever he puts out. And it's Kendrick, so we just, it's everything that Kendrick does is awesome. But I, I agree with you. I'm jacked it's for gonna that be, It's going to be good. The only thing is, it's going to be hard to follow up Damn. So, yeah. um, you know, you just got to wait for it. But for Jordan, I mean, he clearly has talent. Everyone says that. That's everyone's opinion. Um I just have the feeling in general with NFL players, same as the NBA, you can't write a guy off until after like year three. Okay. If we were sitting here, you know, year two of Devontae Adams, people were writing him off. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Rodgers looked terrible at times in the preseasons when he was sitting behind Favre. So I just think it's tough to write him off as a talent. Now, I think the argument with Jordan Love is what the heck do we do with the guy? Is it. It, did he show enough? Like for me, the question is: Did he show enough to garner interest from the Falcons, interest from the Texans, interest from a team? Did he do enough to draw interest to where the Packers can actually get value for him? If they can't get that value for him, then I think you know you just hold on to him because we're going to go through a whole nother Rodgers offseason next year. Yeah, I think so too. The next offseason might even be worse. John, first of all, I love any caller who brings a theory and some love for Kendrick. So thank you for the call. And I think this is the first time I've heard from you. So call back. This was nice. <laughs> All right. We'll do. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thank you, John. Have a good night. John in Madison, Wisconsin, to be specific, not Madison, South Dakota, where actually, interestingly enough, I'm going to be this weekend. I got to cover a UWL game. So if there's a John in Madison, South Dakota, please, if you call, identify yourself as such. John brings up an interesting point. Did Jordan Love do anything in this preseason or can he do anything in the next calendar year to change his trajectory? To vault himself as, oh, the Packers feel great about starting him. Or, oh, the Packers should trade him. Or, he's not good. Should we draft another quarterback? And Nathaniel Hackett was kind of asked about this premise in his press conference. Like, look, what's his role now? Because we got two preseason games of him, but you guys still have Rodgers. Is he the backup now forever until something changes? Or do you feel good enough about about potentially him being a starter next year? Did this change anything? And then Hackett kind of gave an interesting answer. That's always one of those tricky things because uh, he's always going to have to prepare like a starter, any backup, to be able to go in there at the moment's notice. Um, so that really starts in the meeting room. So that's the mental aspect of it that can never stop for him from our game plans, how we game plan, what we're trying to attack, what we're trying to do. Um, and then the speed and timing of it is that he's got to take, you know, those opportunities to be able to lead the scout team uh, going full speed against our very good defense. So I think that those are the ways that you can get that uh, up-tempo, quick, uh, you know, decision-making. Even though it might not be what we're doing, you have to put yourself in that mindset of if that was our play. So I think that that's just going to be his process now as we move forward. It's tricky, right? Well, I'm the backup, but I also got to think about one day maybe being the starter, but I can't get too far ahead of myself because if Rodgers gets hurt tomorrow, I'm going to have to step in and be good right away and help this team stay afloat. It's a tricky situation, one that I obviously can't relate to, but I, I, I do have, like, one slight parallel with my job. So there are days where the Brewers play at, like, 1 p.m., right? And on these days, because all of our stations carry the Brewers, 
If the Brewers go long, that cuts into my show. But if the Brewers go short, then I have a full show. So I got to prepare as if I'm doing two full hours, but also prepare kind of knowing that if the Brewers go long, I'm going to have to cut some stuff out. So what am I going to cut? Like it creates this dynamic where I'm prepared to do a two full hour show, but also what happens if it's an hour? What's the deal if it's 30 minutes? What's the deal if there's no show at all? Mentally, it's interesting, right? Jordan Love has kind of found himself in that spot. Now, Jordan Love, I, I'm not playing football. I'm sure it's very different. But in my life, I think that's that's the parallel. Maybe your job has a version of that. I don't know. Jordan Love, 35 pass attempts this preseason. Some great throws, some throws that made me very happy, and then some throws where it's like, all right, maybe, maybe we cut that out. Maybe we don't do that. And John in Madison mentioned the three-year mark. I think for quarterbacks, it used to be, it used to be two, or at least maybe say the last five years. We're into this era now where quarterbacks are ready sooner than ever. But then we also now have some data like Josh Allen, where it's like, well, two years is too soon. You need to give him that third year because maybe he pops. Josh Allen is the outlier, but you'd hate to move off a quarterback after two years. What if the Bills would have moved off of Josh Allen in year three, he pops? So as the modern NFL continues to give us more data and more examples and more precedent, we've realized, okay, quarterbacks can play sooner. We've seen examples. Uh, Jared Goff, who was good in year two, um, who are more, there's lots more examples. I'm sorry, I have none offhand. But then there's guys like Josh Allen who were a mess year one and year two, but then year three, it's like, well, where did this come from? So three years maybe is that new number. John and Madison doing a good outline of that. 608-796-2558. Jeff in lacrosse. Now, Jeff, I referenced Justin Fields. It was a bad number just for the sake of argument. I'm, I'm not taking a dump on your boy. I hope that's not what you heard. <laughs> no, I oh, I heard that, but I... He had some. He's had some throws that aren't so great. Mm-hmm. Do remember, he's playing a lot, just like Jordan Love is with the twos, the threes, the fours, the guys that are not going to make the team. Jordan Love did not have that many throws that I heard of. I I listened to Packers more than watched them mm-hmm. in the preseason, but he wasn't playing with the ones. So, how do you know what you have yet? You can't really say anything. I I think a lot of this premature to be honest with you I think the guy's got some talent and I'm obviously not a Packers fan um, but you don't know what you have yet and you don't know what Rodgers is going to do at the end of this year either Um, so he really has to like you were saying before yet he has to be ready to go in at a moment's notice and you'll know what you have then yeah I think there's a lot Um, of reasons to be patient a lot of reasons to have expectations but a lot of reasons to be patient right I I think I've talked about some of those to start the show, but we don't know. Like, you can only take away so much from preseason. Like, 10% of what we see in preseason, I think, is actually useful, and that's about it for all the reasons you just mentioned. Right. Right. My son was talking. Jeff, did we lose you? Jeff, we're losing you. Sorry, I got to let you go, man. Bad. I heard you mention Don Mikowski. I'm sure it was a great point. It was an excellent argument you were about to make about the magic man. Don Mikowski, but I got to let you go. I, I say this to callers. Like, if I was calling you as a friend, I'm the most patient man on the phone. If you're going through a rut, you're going through bad service, I'll sit there and I'll wait it out. On the radio, It's it's got to be the most annoying thing for other people to have to sit and listen to. Sorry, Jeff, I got to let you go. But you made some great points. It does take time. I do think there's only so many things that you can glean from the preseason. I think for a lot of reasons, I want to reiterate those coming up. But first, to, to kind of piggyback off what John and Madison said, three years right, to evaluate a lot of these quarterbacks. And I said, well, we have lots of examples in the last five years of guys that have popped after year two. And I think one was Jared Goff, who you saw noticeable improvement from year one to year two. Lamar Jackson won an MVP in year two. 
definitely took a big jump, right? I'm, I'm looking at a list of NFL quarterbacks on Google, and now it's giving me Elway and Luck and Jacoby Brissett. This isn't useful. Can you give me a list of starting quarterbacks? There's a bunch of them. I need to list of starting quarterbacks. All right, I'll go to Wikipedia. I'm shameless. I'll dig this up on air because I know there's lots of examples. Guys, come into the league. Hey, year one, so-so. Carson Wentz is another good example. We didn't really know after year one, and then he popped. Right? Lamar Jackson won an MVP. Patrick Mahomes is a great example. Um, let's see. Who else? Anybody else? Deshaun Watson's a good example. Is there one more? I don't remember Derek Carr's exact career trajectory. Maybe he falls into that. Maybe he doesn't. I don't remember what exactly the trajectory of Russell Wilson was. This second-year pop with a good offensive coordinator, good offensive mind, that's something that a lot of people we thought is gospel. And if it didn't happen in year two, it's probably not going to happen. Then we get Josh Allen. Well, what are we going to do with this? Right? So maybe that third year, maybe you give that third year to some of these quarterbacks. And then maybe a guy like Sam Darnold, maybe he never pops. And you're waiting and waiting and waiting, and it never happens. Either way, I don't know if the preseason is indicative of anything with quarterbacks, especially young quarterbacks, especially young quarterbacks on bad teams. Trevor Lawrence got drafted to a bad team. Zach Wilson got drafted to a bad team. Jordan Love's not on a bad team, but he's not playing with the starters, right? Neither is Justin Fields. And I think there's lots of reasons to pump the brakes and be patient with Jordan Love. Justin Fields, too, is a nice extension of this conversation. He's not playing with the ones, so we can't nitpick him too much, right? Jordan Love specifically not expected to start this season, so we can be a little bit more patient. We see a bad throw, and it's like, okay, well... Go get that out of your game. Watch the tape get better, improve. You have time. Jordan Love also hasn't played football since 2019. This is his first real action in years. So another reason to be patient and take everything we saw in the preseason with a grain of salt. Oh, yeah, it's the preseason, so we should be doing that already. Back to the phone, 608-796-2558. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Uh, This is uh, Billy from downtown, Grant. How's it going? Downtown Billy. It's been a while. It's so nice to hear from you. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. Hey, I just had a really quick point. Um, well, first I wanted to say the new Kanye album is phenomenal. Okay. Really enjoying it. Okay. Uh, the main point I wanted to make, though, is going into, after Jordan Love was drafted, I was talked about a lot that he was going to be a project QB. He wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. So if the norm right now is two years pop, then I feel like we shouldn't be expecting that from Jordan Love. We should be expecting a three, four-year mm-hmm. buffer, knowing he's a project and the norm being two years right now. So That's the, all I got for So you. the Packers of all teams should be patient more so than some of these other quarterbacks who popped in year two. Uh, first of all, Billy, downtown, one thing on the Kanye album, because I'm not someone, if I don't like something, I'm not going to yell at people who like such thing. Like, Bloody Mary people, it's the worst. Like, oh, I'm going to have a Bloody Mary. That's great. And then somebody be like, oh, those are disgusting. How can you drink those? It's like, well, I like them. So shut up. Right, enjoy what you enjoy. Can you explain, can you make an argument, like a 30-second, like, hey, this is why the Kanye album is good and I should listen to it again? Because I tried today and I eh, I could not. Oh, absolutely. So the way that I, <laughs> I see it, I listened to it to a few times through. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's broken up into these two parts. The first half of the album is very manic. It's very all over the place. The okay. second half is very true, very personal. Um, if you were having trouble, I'd recommend starting at Moon. It's the Cuddy track. Listen to that to the end. Don't listen to the bonus tracks, part twos. They're trash. Um, I think you'll I think you'll find you enjoy those tracks a lot. Okay, well, here's the thing. Start at Moon. I've written this down. Here's the thing. Uh, Kanye didn't include the features in the names of the tracks. I didn't know yeah, what song true. Cuddy was on, so I guess I'll do that investigative work. Thank you, Kanye, for putting that on me. I have time in my day <laughs> to research that stuff, and I'm getting info from callers today. Thank you, Billy. Have a good night. Hey, you too, man. Take care. Downtown Billy with some Kanye commentary and 
Be patient with Jordan Love for lots of reasons. Now, there's reasons that we should have expectations, too. Why don't we talk about those on the other side of the break? Like, this can't take six years for a few different reasons. We'll talk about those coming up next. More commentary from you. And I want to just talk about the roster, specifically skill positions, wide receiver, running back, tight end. Because I I have a couple of takes, but none of them can stand on their own. Like, I want to talk about Josiah DeGuara, but I can't do a full segment on him. So we're going to do a couple, like, rapid-fire bullet point type thing. A couple things I want to like get on paper, get on the record before the season starts. That's all coming up. A lot of Packers talk on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope your week is off to a good start. We're getting all of our Jordan Love thoughts out in the open. We're getting this topic kind of buttoned up and pinned down before we get into the real season where probably not going to talk about Jordan Love a whole lot. Unless Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, which nobody wants. Reasons to be patient. Reasons to take our time with Jordan Love. There are many. A couple of reasons to keep expectations higher with Jordan Love. Man's a 26th overall pick. They traded up to get him a first and a fourth round pick. Those guys, they, they need to work. It's not like Brett Hundley. It's not like Tim Boyle here. This isn't a project that we're keeping in the garage. Like, they invested serious draft capital into this guy, and they flipped over the apple cart to get him. It's like they had a girlfriend who was a nine, and they knocked it all out of whack and upset said girlfriend, hoping that they could find a 10. Better be a 10, right? I don't know, quarterback age, contract price, that all factors in too, but that shoots the whole analogy to hell, so we won't talk about that a couple of good texts to get to dave says the question is is this year one or year two for jordan love i'd say year one since he never even suited up only classroom work doesn't equate to field work so we can give up on love for two more seasons after this wait dave so you're saying <laughs> hold on hold hold on so you're saying that this is actually jordan love's rookie year well if that's the case then Everything I've set up until Jordan Love needs to be adjusted. Every take that I've said needs to start the show over then. Fine. Kind of an intimate program, no, really. Gonna, think we're not going to start the show. See, my point, though, that changes everything. Right? Talk about year two versus year three. Maybe we're really in year one of Jordan Love. We're not starting the show over. No time. Too much to get to. He also has an analogy. God, Dave, what is going on with you today? Think of Love like a firefighter trainee. You can learn all you want about fighting fires from books. And listening to one of the best ever, but you don't know what you're talking about until you actually get into a burning building. Uh, apt analogy, if you ask me. Dave, I, that's that's better than apt. That's fantastic. And maybe Firefighter Greg can chime in on this, unless he's not, a, unless that's just his nickname. Firefighter Greg, are you listening? Are you a real firefighter? I'm assuming. It'd be an odd nickname to have. It'd be kind of a poser if not. That's a great comparison. You can do all the classroom work you want, but until you get out there and play in a real game, right, I, I don't know that you can really call yourself a firefighter. You certainly can't be an expert. You learn by doing. Reasons to be patient about Jordan Love. I really did a pros-cons list, right? Like, the, it's always sunny in Philadelphia where you get the board and what reasons on this side, reasons on this side if we're arguing about evolution or the episode where Dennis spills a bowl of cereal in his car. Reasons to be patient. He doesn't have to start this year. That changes how we think about him, right? It's like evaluating somebody who's, who's learning how to drive. Did they just get their permit yesterday, or are they taking their driver's test tomorrow? The timeline there is important, right? Because if you're just learning to apply the brake before you change gears, first day with a permit, that's good. You're right on track. But if you take your test tomorrow and you're like, where's the, where's the turn signal again? 
Two different things. Very different. It's different with Jordan Love. Number two, we didn't get to see Jordan Love play with Devontae Adams or Aaron Jones with the top of the line. Right? I like a chopped analogy here. If we're talking about apt analogies, I think we should go the Food Network route. If you give a chef Cheerios and milk, well, I guess Cheerios and milk go well together, so that wouldn't work. Let's say Cheerios and blueberries, although now you can make a crumble, right? I'm just too good at this. Damn it. If you give them a bunch of random ingredients, you should expect kind of a random dessert, right? And Jordan Love was working with an assortment of random ingredients. That should change how we view the meal that Jordan Love is making, which was just kind of a ho-hum, good, and bad. Number three, Jordan Love hasn't played since 2019. That should change how we feel about what we're seeing in 2021. As Dave says, this is kind of his rookie year. It's his first year because he hasn't had a chance to play yet. Now, there are also reasons why we should, like I said, have expectations. He's a first-round pick, plus the fourth they traded for him. They also kind of messed up the whole trajectory of the organization and almost got their MVP to retire, even though I don't think he was ever going to retire. But they did certainly turn over the apple cart for this guy. Two reasons why you kind of need this guy to be good, kind of. Even though we should be patient, he still needs to be good at some point. Here's my stance on Jordan Love. If you're like, Grant, get to the point. What's your take? Well, I'll give it to you. Here you go. Start recording now. This could be a promo. We can use this after the fact. My stance on Jordan Love really hasn't changed since the first preseason game. Now, he only played in two, but he played in the first and then sat out the second, played the third. 35 pass attempts when all was said and done. My stance on Jordan Love really hasn't changed since the first preseason game. It was boring. In a good way. Boring is good. I will not remember these games. In 11 years, if Jordan Love, God willing, is the starting quarterback for the Packers, which if that's the case, turns out he's pretty good, I'm not going to remember anything from these preseason games. They were boring. They weren't memorable, which is great. They weren't so bad and awful and miserable to make me freak out, and they weren't amazing to the degree where our expectations get all out of whack and this thing gets weird. It was boring. It was middle of the road which is perfect for where Jordan Love is in his career right now. Now, if anybody tells you about Jordan Love, sorry, Big Joe, I'm going to put you on blast, that he's terrible, that he's garbage, that he was awful. No, he wasn't. He wasn't wasn't bad. He wasn't terrible. He wasn't garbage. Just like he wasn't amazing. He's not an MVP. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's just boring. He's in the middle of the spectrum. There's no extremes here, right? He's not garbage. He's not amazing. He's right in the middle, which... At this moment, not only for Jordan Love, but for the Packers as well, and the balance of this weird quarterback love triangle that they got going on. Another nice, see what I did there? It's actually okay for him to just be boring middle of the road. He wasn't garbage. He wasn't terrible. We have a good starting point. There were some good throws. There was a throw that he made to Malik Taylor, who we're going to talk to coming up in the next segment. Or not talk to, but talk about. Unless anybody know, Does anybody know Malik Taylor? Does anybody have his phone number? We could try to get him on. Right? He made a couple throws to Malik Taylor. Some of them guarded by Tredavious White, who's one of the better corners in football. It's good. Thumbs up. I like that. On the run from the pocket. And there were some bad throws. Okay, well, let's maybe maybe quit it with those. Let's maybe cut those out of, of the game tape moving forward. Good starting spot. There was some good. There's some things to work on. So Jordan Love can continue to develop, and this whole thing stays in balance. And the Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst love circle thing doesn't get all thrown out of whack. Mitch and Madison, thank you for the text and the lyrics as well. I actually enjoy those more than uh, the Kanye album. But I'm going to try it again. I got some advice from listeners. I know Downtown Billy's big rap guy, big rap head. I forgot to ask Billy if he's excited for the new Drake that's dropping this week. I think that album's going to bang. I Just based on the album art, which is kind of weird. I don't really know what Drake's going for there. He has a heart shaved into his head. 
we're going to get softcore Drake. Like, keep the family close, fire and desire. Uh, what else is really, really softcore Drake? Like, nothing was the same. A lot, of, a lot of songs on that album. From Time with Janae Aiko, another great example. Like, that's the Drake I'm looking for. We're looking for softcore Drake. He's not a tough guy. He's not fooling anyone. Like, we all saw him massaging Nick Nurse's shoulders in the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't want hardcore, like, aggressive rap from that guy. And I think we're going to get... The album's called Certified Loverboy. We're getting softcore Drake. And that fires me up. I will try the Kanye album again. If I change my mind, I'll give you a brief report tomorrow. I know you're not here for Kanye breakdowns. My dad, my dad texted into the show. Said, don't need to hear Kanye's new album to know that it sucks. Well, I would try to convince you, Dad, that there is some Kanye that's good, but I don't think you'd like any of it. I don't know that you would. I don't know that you'd dig into any Kanye. I haven't liked Kanye since, like, 2016. Ye wasn't that good. And to be honest, his album with Kid Cudi wasn't that good either. I know we're, oh, Kanye and Kid Cudi, they're so good together. Yeah, they are. They were really good together on some of the stuff on 808s and Heartbreak, but then when you try to blow it up and do a whole album, it doesn't always transfer. Like, when Travis Scott and Migos did an album together, it was Quavo, Hunter Jack. Like, I thought that was going to be great. Because one of my favorite Travis Scott, uh, Scott songs is Oh My Decide. And that has Quavo. I'm like, oh my God, that's going to be a great sound. I want a full album of that. Well, the problem is when you do a full album, it's like, oh, I can't believe they they really didn't have much else in the gun. They kind of fired all their bullets on that one song. Welcome to Heartbreak, Cuddy and Kanye. Very good. But then they did a full album, and I'm like, really, there's probably one or two songs on here that I actually like. Mitch and Madison says, can't be worse than his last album. Can it? Are you referring to Kids See Ghosts or was it Jesus is King or whatever? I didn't even listen to that. You don't ask me. I don't even remember, honestly. Life of Pablo is great. I haven't really touched anything since then, more than once or two, just to fill my societal duty. Oh, you hear the new Kanye? Yeah, it sucked, but I did listen to it at least. Sorry. Donda, I hear good and bad things. I'll try it again tonight. I got some advice. So let's move on. I have some comments on a couple different position groups. Thought maybe, hey, let's do a full 53-man roster prediction. And then I'm like, wait, I don't want to do that, and I don't think you want to listen to that. But this is the thoughts of wide receiver, running back, tight end, and a couple of takes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some flag planting coming up next, right? I'm going to do some bold predictions. I'm going to put some – I'm going to go on the record coming up next. So I'm either going to turn out to be right, which will make me more annoying and cocky, or I'll be wrong, and then you get to hold that over my head. So it's a win-win for you guys, really. <laughs> or I think I get more annoying when I'm cocky. So maybe it's a win-lose for both of us. Either way, some interesting position groups, specific players that I want to talk about, and we'll use kind of maybe a perspective roster as a jumping-off point to have this discussion. That's coming up next. Some Brewers right before 6 o'clock as well. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show, things are getting heated on the talk and text line. Downtown Billy, a couple of points he raised. Uh, said, there's, uh, you're telling me your dad does not get down to all of the lights. No, I don't think my dad, not even, uh, um, not even my dark twisted fantasy. No, not even that version of Kanye. I don't think my dad gets into. My dad does chime in, though, and says, now, if you're talking Conway, we should have a Conway Twitty day on the show. I can get down to some Conway. It's fine. I don't like Donda because it's so long. Who has the time? I don't have time in my day to listen to 30 songs. And Billy raises an astute point. He says, well, what about Scorpion, Drake's last album? It's like 100 songs long. It is, but I don't like Scorpion. I like old Drake. I like soft Drake, which, to bring this full circle, is what we're getting on Thursday. So check and mate to downtown Billy, who's feeling bold today, I believe. 608-796-2558. My name, Grant Bills, on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. 
Going to do some Brewers things right before 6 o'clock. Right before 6 o'clock. The last couple of minutes. Some thoughts on uh, the Brewers' next opponent, the Giants, and how the series might fare. We're going to have to stay up late. I'm down for it. You down? Stay up late. Buy some Mountain Dew. Brewers slumber party. We can do it on Twitter. It'll be a good time. If you're up tonight, we're going to have a, a fun time on Twitter. So that's when all the posers go to bed. And the true Brewers fans can uh, tweet back and forth unbothered by the casuals. I thought today of, to stay on the Packers, thought maybe, hey, let's do a 53-man roster prediction. I'll hype it up. Tonight at 5.30, Grant's full 53-man roster prediction. And I really considered it for all of, like, five seconds. And then I'm like, wait, I don't want to do that. I would rather eat a lampshade than tell you the sixth and seventh man on the O-line or the D-line because I, I don't know. B-reporters always go hard on this, as they should. They're the ones that practice. They actually watch the tape, grind the tape, talking to the coaches, read their stories. Matt Schneidman had one out today. Bill Huber had one out today. Matt Schneidman is the one I'm sticking with because that's the most recent one I could find. Cut down days this week. We'll hear more from Mike Clements about that in about 10, week, uh, 10 weeks, 10 minutes. I do have some thoughts on the roster and certain players and, and position groups. So I just kind of want to talk through those. And we can leave the rest. Like, oh, the sixth or seventh offensive lineman is this person. Okay, well, we'll just figure that out when the roster cuts happen and then we'll react to it now. There's no sense in me trying to predict that. I titled this segment Roster Musings, not Roster Predictions. So then I can't be officially held accountable if I'm wrong. We're just spitballing here. <laughs> not... Not anything official, although I do have a couple of takes that I want to lock in and, and go on the record, but no roster predictions. And as we're going along, you can chime in, send me a text, say, I really like this player. I think they're going to break out season. This position group is, is really strong or, or whatever. I have Matt Schneidman's roster predictions in front of me, and I think we're just going to use that as a reference point. We're going to use this as kind of our path, and we're just going to scroll down. I mostly, well, I only want to talk about offense. Not that I don't care about defense, but we'll have time throughout the week if we really want to dig deep into some of that. We, we absolutely can. But I want to do offense. Why don't we start with quarterback? Um, hot take, but I think Aaron Rodgers is really good. They'll probably keep him. I would imagine he will be the week one starter. Wanted that on the record. Lock that in. All right, moving on. Wide receiver. I do actually think the preseason did the trick with this position group, right? We always go into the preseason. It's like, well, all of these position battles and, and who's on the roster bubble. And I, I actually don't think the preseason is super helpful with a lot of this stuff because J.K. Scott was terrible. He's still going to be the punter. Hunter Bradley was terrible. He's still going to be the long snapper. Now, that might change in a week or two or three, but it's not like we got to the end of the preseason and thought, well, J.K. Scott sucks. We got to get a new guy. Well, if somebody comes available, sure. If he's really bad in the regular season, sure. But the preseason is only so indicative. I think the 2021 wide receiver battle was actually greatly enhanced and resolved by the preseason, which is rare. The, this group was always going to be Adams, MVS, Lazard, Cobb, and Amari Rogers. Those guys were always going to make it. It was about the number six spot and maybe number seven, but I don't think anybody expects them to keep seven. They don't need seven like maybe they did with Mike McCarthy. So it was all about the number six spot. Right? Will it be Devin Funches? Will it be Equinemia St. Brown, Malik Taylor, Reggie Begleton, Jawan Winfrey? One of, one of these guys, right? Malik Taylor was great in the preseason. Not that the preseason means the world, but for the sixth wide receiver spot, you're looking for somebody who, oh, was pretty good last year, pretty good this year. Well, are they going to continue to be good? Were they just a flash here and there? Can they stay healthy? Devin Funches, Equinemia St. Brown, they were hurt. You can't judge them. Yeah, I can. Because they're always hurt. Equinemia St. Brown is always hurt. Funches was hurt two years ago, three years ago. He's always hurt. Give me Malik Taylor. I feel good about it. Malik Taylor made a brilliant catch along the sideline. Great throw by Love. That was one of his better highlights. And then he shook Tredavious White. 
for a completion down the field. Tredavious White's one of the best corners in football. It's that kind of thing that kind of reaffirms what the Packers were probably already thinking. It was probably Malik Taylor's job to lose, and it was going to be on Reggie Begleton or Devin Funchess or Equinemia St. Brown to stay healthy and to prove it. The burden of proof was not on Malik Taylor. He had made this team before. The burden of proof was on some of these other guys, and they didn't do nearly enough. I think these three preseason games proved Malik Taylor is your number six guy. Lock it in. Feel great about it. Good spot to be in going into the regular season, right? Now, maybe that's the only position group that the preseason really locked in. Certainly the most obvious one. Running back, I also think we kind of knew before the preseason. I don't know that we needed the evidence to prove that that this is how this is going to go. I love this running back group. It's going to be Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and Kylan Hill. That's an easy one. And I think that was probably their hope before the preseason, and they saw enough from Kylan Hill. It's like, all right, cool. Why overthink this? I saw so many good things after the draft about Kylan Hill, and I was kind of skeptical because I, I don't know. Remember after the seventh round, they took Kylan Hill, and I saw a bunch of smart football people. Like, I immediately remembered Eric Eager, who's a friend of show, pro football focus, immediately tweeted, like, that might be the Packers' best pick, their best value, seventh round, Kylan Hill. What an awesome get for them. And I'm like, well, really? He's a seventh round pick. If he was that great, why did he last until the seventh round? I don't know why he lasted until the seventh round because I think he might turn out to be one of the better gets from this draft, one of the better running backs from this draft. And he laughed at the seventh round. I, I don't know. He can help them in the return game. He can be a part of the passing game, which is really important in the Lafleur offense. He can add some versatility. They can use two of the three running backs on the field at the same time. Heck, put all three of them out there. Why not? And he's some injury insurance. If Aaron Jones gets hurt, okay, you have Kylan Hill. If A.J. Dillon misses some time, you have Kylan Hill. If somebody gets COVID, you have Kylan Hill. Just nice option as the number three running back. And also the money matters here too because they paid Aaron Jones. Now, I think it's a really friendly contract. I don't think it's as bad as the Ezekiel Elliott deal or probably what Saquon Barkley will make, right? It's not a high-end, stupid money running back deal. It's not Todd Gurley. It is a second contract for a running back, which most people poo-poo no matter what. It's a swallowable contract, especially when you pair it with A.J. Dillon, who's on a rookie deal, and Kylan Hill, who's on a rookie-rookie deal. He's just coming into the league as a seventh-rounder. So as a collective, as a group, that's a super cheap group, even if you're paying Aaron Jones star running back money, albeit I think a really smart, well-structured contract they could get out of after two years if need be. And you're not going to put unnecessary wear and tear on him because you have A.J. Dillon and you have Kylan Hill. I think it's it's a very... It's a group that fits well together. What's the word I'm looking for? Not symbolic, not systemic, symbiotic. There we go. The contracts fit together, the roles fit together, and all three of these guys, I think, work well in this offense. That's a group that I really like. Now, tight end. This is my big Packers take of the day, other than our Jordan Love stuff. I'm excited to talk about this. Matt Schneidman, in his roster prediction, the Athletics says Robert Tunyon, Mercedes Lewis, Josiah DeGuara, Dominique Daphne. Now, Jay Sternberger will be suspended to start the season, which maybe is the best thing that could happen to him because now if somebody gets injured, Tanyan, Lewis, DeGuara, Daphne, maybe he'll have a, a way to slide onto the roster. Let's assume everybody stays healthy. I have zero interest in Jay Sternberger. And here's a take that I want to establish today. I'm going to plant my flag on this hill. This is official. You can hold me accountable to the words I'm about to say. And if I'm wrong, please skewer me. It's fine. That's what's fun about sports talk. I want to plant my flag on the Josiah DeGuara hill. I think we are going to watch him and be like, wow, Jay Sternberger really sucked, huh? That guy just didn't have it going on. And it's not just the on-field stuff. It's not just the injuries or the suspension. Like when your position coach is talking about your off-field habits and how you don't know the playbook and a lot of reports, 
that Aaron Rodgers and him don't really get along. Like this is not. I have, I have no interest in that. I don't. I don't need that. Give me Tunyon, Lewis, Dominique Daphne, even and Josiah Deguara. And I think Josiah Deguara. I've seen more from him in like five plays before and after an ACL injury than I've seen from Jay Sternberger in like two full seasons now. I'm not saying that Josiah Deguara is going to be the greatest tight end to ever play. He might not even turn out to be worth the third, was it, a third round pick they spent on him out of Cincinnati as an H-back. But I think Josiah Deguara will be much more useful even immediately following an ACL injury, missing his entire rookie year, basically. I think he's going to be way more useful than Jay Sternberger ever was. That doesn't mean Deguara is the best player in the world. That just means Jay Sternberger really, really sucked. I think that's what we're going to come to realize. And that's a take that I want to lay out there. Like, I think Deguara will be a much better player even coming off a big injury than Jay Sternberger ever was. I don't mean to be anti-Jay Sternberger. Well, I guess I do. I just don't think he's very good, and I think the Packers are more than ready and willing to move on from him and and make that decision very easy. And with the suspension, they just have an extra excuse. It's like, well, wait a minute. You can't stay healthy. The quarterback doesn't like you. You don't work hard off the field. You don't know the playbook. What are we doing here again? Goodbye. Which maybe means they didn't, I don't know, they not do their due diligence in the draft process. Maybe they're now overcompensating in the draft process. It's like, well, we really didn't understand what was going on with Chase Sternberger, so now we're only going to draft guys that we've known about since they were in seventh grade. Like A.J. Dillon and DeQuara, right? Maybe maybe now we're on the other end of the spectrum with draft evaluation, which I guess isn't a bad thing. I think maybe sometimes that leads to tunnel vision in the draft. Like, you, you've you read so much about A.J. Dillon and Josiah DeGuara that maybe you're too focused on them and you overdraft them and they turn into a draft crush as a result, which is never good for general managers. You want to take value. You don't want to take names. You want to take players and positions at positions of value. I don't know. Maybe they're, maybe they're overcompensating for what I'm sure they're perceiving to be a huge miss in the draft in Jay Sternberger, who's probably not going to be on the team in a few weeks after just only two years after being drafted in, a, in the third round. It's a premium pick. Let's take a break. We'll hear a little bit from Mike Clements, an update from Green Bay as we're days away from roster cutdowns. And I want to wrap up the show tonight with the Brewers. Big series starting with the Giants coming tonight. Final segment after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, a training camp update. In Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers will head back to the practice field this week after losing to the Bills 19-0 on Saturday. On offense, after Devontae Adams and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the number three receiver is Alan Lazard. Packers head coach Matt LaFleur says he had another great camp. I think Alan Lazard is kind of, I like to call him our goon. His goon? The team's wide receiver coach Jason Vrabel says Lazard is a hard-hitting downfield blocker on running plays. It's usually a collision, and, it, and it's sometimes Sometimes a violent one where literally he stares at the guy, looks him in the eye, and goes and puts his hands and his shoulder pads on a guy, and he's coming back for the next play. So, you know, just that mentality where it's almost a hybrid fullback on some of our plays. And the Packers are releasing players to reach the NFL's deadline of 53 on the roster by 3 p.m. tomorrow. Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett describes the mood today throughout the offices and locker room here at Lambeau Field. It's a hard time. It really is. Throughout our time with those guys being here, with me, with the other coaches, I think that they truly know that we want what's best for them. You know, they come into this building, we want to do everything we can to make them be the best version of themselves, be the best player. 
And, and I think that there's only certain things that you can control, though. And so you can you have to look at that and understand that's how it is and be confident that you got better. And as a coach, we want them to feel that from us and, and know that we love them. And, I mean, we spent a lot of time with these guys and invested a lot, like I said. And, you know, it's it sucks, but it's part of the business. Best Packers coverage. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show. <clears throat> My name is Grant Bills. Talked a lot about Jordan Love today. Maybe we'll do a little bit more on that tomorrow. We just about got our Jordan Love fix, right? We've only been talking for him, talking about him for what? Two and a half years or however long it's been since he's got drafted. I think we've had enough Jordan Love. Pretty soon we'll be talking about real games, real outcomes, and players who actually play in regular season games. I have a fantasy draft on Wednesday, too. That's how you can kind of tell that the season is afoot. Oh, yeah, I actually have to prepare. And Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say that I'm going to prepare, and then I'm not going to prepare, and I'm going to go into it blind and hope that I draft a good team, which is normally how it works, except for the instances where my team's been really good. Then those drafts went exactly according to plan, and my research all came perfectly together, and that's why my team was really good. Nothing to do with luck at all. We'll also talk with David Gasper reviewing the brew tomorrow. Brewers start a set with the Giants tonight. Late night baseball. So we're going to have a Twitter party tonight. If you're still awake, I, I want to get it popping on Twitter tonight. So sometimes 7th or 8th inning, I'm going to send out a tweet. And if you're awake, let's go. All right, I'm talking back and forth. I'm going to spare no expense. Um, I'm not going to be on a pitch count with Twitter tonight at all. So real fans, let's go. About 11.45 tonight, we're going to get it going. Follow tweet at Wisco Grant. Interesting today, the Giants picked up Jose Quintana. Remember that Cubs guy? From a couple of years ago, they traded, uh, got him from the White Sox. And he wasn't really that amazing. He had good starts, but mostly he was just nails against the Brewers. And the Cubs and Joe Madden set it up at the time in 2018, so he would always pitch against the Brewers. Madden was clever. He's a good manager. It's not an anti-David Ross thing, but I don't think it was Joe Madden's fault in Chicago, as we've seen now. I guess last year he missed most of the season because he had thumb surgery. He cut his thumb while he was washing dishes, which is incredible. Reminded me of when Scooter Jeanette cut his thumb in the shower. I swear, my life is boring because I don't get injured doing things like this. And if we had more time, if we had another hour of the show, then I'd say, <laughs> what's your most random injury you've ever suffered? Ha <laughs> ha, It'd be a great topic, but we're out of time. Damn. Dang. Don't have time to get to that. So this offseason, he signed a one-year $8 million deal with the Angels, and he's just DFA'd because he's been bad. But the Giants picked him up, and I think the Giants were like, well, this guy's been pretty good against the Brewers. Why not uh, stash him? Why not? Maybe we'll use him as reliever, middle relief. I don't think they're having starting pitching depth issues like the Padres are. You can see the Brewers. Could be a weapon for him. I just think that's interesting. The Brewers have or have not put out the lineup. I see they tweeted. Oh, two minutes ago, they put it out right before 6 o'clock because they knew that I wanted to talk about it on my show. Thank you, Brewers. Thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for the nod, getting this tweeted out at 5.55 p.m. Let's look at this roster. Wong, Yelich, Garcia, Narvaez, Telez, Urias, Peterson at third, Jackie Bradley Jr., and then Corbin Burns is pitching. So no Adamas. I hope he's okay. I wonder if they'll ask Craig Council about that pregame, but we won't know for a few hours because pregame will be at like 7 o'clock. I wish they could hold the pregame before my show was done so we could get that intel too. But I hopefully it's just a day of rest for Adamas. Maybe he's available off the bench. I don't know. Peterson's been good, and Urias has been good as well. He had a monster home run yesterday. I like late-night Brewer games. I'm looking forward to this tonight. I'm going to go home. I'm going to get in a quick workout. I'm going to mow the lawn. I'm going to take care of my manly duties around my house, which normally I don't have time to do because I get home 
immediately turn on the game. We get home, I get a workout in. I know you asked. I know you care about this. I'm going to tell you anyways. Get home, get a workout in, mow the lawn, make some food. And then when I'm all said and done, I'll probably have time to shower too. I'll be squeaky clean by the time the game has started. I love this. Now, I don't have to get up early for work because I don't have a real adult job. I can sleep a little bit later. So these late night games, I actually prefer them. I think they're a good amount of fun. And please, let's tweet along. Let's have a blast tonight. We can have fun on Twitter. Follow and tweet me at Wisco Grant. Tomorrow, we'll do some Brewers with David Gasper because this is a huge series, much bigger than the series against the Twins, which no shade to you Twins fans, but I don't have much to say about that series. It was a fun border rivalry game. Target Field is beautiful when it's not raining. The problem is it's raining all the time, so that always gets in the way of games. So we'll talk about Brewers-Giants tomorrow. Roster cutdowns are going to happen throughout the week as well. So we'll hear from Mike Clements and get the latest from Green Bay tomorrow. Same time, same place, Wisco Sports Show. Talk to you then. (laughs) 